Hello, and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information and advisory services partner for emerging market executives. We partner with business leaders at over 230 multinationals by providing them with information assets, advisory support, and consulting services that help inform and empower their emerging market growth strategy. The focus of today's podcast is a 2017 market spotlight on Ethiopia, Africa's second most populous market. My name is Richard Leggett, and I'm the CEO of Frontier Strategy Group. I'm joined today from FSG's London office by William Atwell, FSG's Senior Analyst for Sub-Saharan Africa and the author of our newest report on Ethiopia. As a reminder, this research and all of our insights are available to FSG clients via our Frontier View platform. Will, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, thanks very much, Rich. Let's, uh, let's get started. I, I, I often start these types of discussions with a, a question about why now? So my question to you, Will, is why this market? Why Ethiopia and why now? Uh, why is Ethiopia emerging as such a priority market for many of our multinational clients? Thanks, Richard. It's an excellent um, way to start off. Um, certainly, in the context of a wider slowdown in SSA growth, uh, Ethiopia is stands out as as an art performer. So whereas we're looking at a um, period of of around 2.4% uh, growth for SSA as a whole, um, uh, Ethiopia has uh, been growing at, at double digit rates for much of the past decade, um, and is still, although it's slowing down slightly, is still performing uh, pretty well. So we're looking at 6.5% for for 2017. Um, it's also exciting and compelling for a lot of MNCs because as an economy that's been fairly closed for many years, it's gradually opening up um, due to uh, government reforms. Uh, and so this is opening new opportunities in sectors um, that had previously not been available. So given um, the scale of the economy, you know, being um, East Africa's second largest economy um, and Africa's uh, second largest uh, uh, market, uh, demographically speaking, it certainly provides um, a compelling business case. Before we um, dive deeper into Ethiopia, I want to rise up a little bit, and I want you to put your client executive hat on for a moment. Imagine, Will, that you're the president of EMEA, uh, so a pretty vast region for a multinational, and help me frame Ethiopia and the opportunity in Ethiopia vis-a-vis -vis the other markets that sit in my broader portfolio. Uh, that's a really important question, Rich. Thank you. Um, certainly in terms of growth, um, I mean, it outperforms uh, much of the EMEA portfolio. When we talk about, uh, you know, 6.5% growth, um, this is, you know, really m m much, more, m much more rapid growth than we're seeing um, across almost anywhere in the EMEA region. Um, so certainly, you know, in terms of the opportunity here, it's, it's a very high priority. It's important to remember that um, this is, a, in per capita terms, a very low-income country. Um, so when looking at Ethiopian in a broader EMEA context, um, uh, multinationals need to really carefully assess whether uh, this is really the opportunity for them. This is a consumer market where uh, consumers are only really able to uh, purchase at very low price points. Um, they're quite considerable um, obstacles to entering this market. Um, and only certain kinds of products are really going to perform well. So I think for, for, for those MNCs where the um, opportunity aligns with their 
product range, for instance, I think this is a, a, a very uh, compelling opportunity and certainly one that should be a top-tier priority. Ethiopia is a classic developing market in terms of risk as well. For example, last year, the country faced two major shocks uh, in the form of violent protests and also the worst drought in over two decades. What has the impact of these events been and how do you see the economy faring uh, across 2017? Sure. Well, obviously, both of those uh, shocks had a, had a huge impact um, last year uh, with the, the, the economy slowing down um, to uh, just over 3% from, from its uh, previous double-digit figures. Um, and those, those political protests certainly unnerved a lot of investors, um, and rightly so. Um, but what, one of the interesting features, I think, uh, you know, looking forward to 2017 is how resilient the economy has actually turned out to be. So whereas in previous decades when there have been droughts on this scale, um, very large famines have occurred, uh, this hasn't been the case. And I think this says a lot about um, uh, state capacity uh, over the past several years that we've seen the government able to mount a very effective um, relief effort. Um, and similarly, when we come to the, the um, outbreak of protests, uh, the government has managed to contain the impact of that um, substantially. So not to sort of under, underplay um, the scale of those protests, they were certainly very significant, um, but they weren't fundamentally destabilizing. Um, so I think going into 2017, um, you know, multinationals can be fairly confident about uh, uh, the outlook ahead. One of the uh, key criteria we often advise clients uh, about when they're looking at new markets or uh, investing heavily, more heavily in certain markets is around stability. So how, how concerned, given those protests uh, in, and in general uh, where Ethiopia is in its uh, maturity spectrum, how concerned should our clients be about stability in Ethiopia? Sure. I mean, you know, due precautions are always a good idea. Um, but the, 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 the ruling coalition um, that uh, dominates the government, called the EPRDF, um, they've really made attracting investment a, re a core pillar of their development plan, which is contained in something called the Growth and Transformation Plan 2. Um, they're a relatively capital-scarce economy, and so they're aware that they need to bring in that, that capital, that foreign capital, if they're going to sustain their longer-term growth trajectory, which is critical for the regime's credibility. Um, so what's happened post those, those um, major protests is the government has deployed um, additional security um, uh, around areas where foreign investors' assets are located, so uh, foreign-owned commercial or foreign-leased commercial farming areas, um, foreign-owned factories, and, and the like. So um, the, the risk has been minimized quite substantially. Um, where this remains uh, a risk, though, um, is some of the side effects from that clampdown. So in some areas, we've had, over the past several months, the internet suspended, um, we've had roadblocks, and so these, these could be implemented again from time to time um, as part of the state of emergency measures which are still in place. So these could create some operational disruptions here or there, but I don't think uh, uh, multinationals need to factor in uh, substantial instability into their, into, their, um, into their outlooks. Yeah, some of those issues are par for the course when you're, when you're uh, in developing markets. In, in your analysis, 
In your analysis, you argue that a major component of the business case for Ethiopia is uh, by far the favorable demographic profile. In practical terms, what does this mean in terms of opportunities for MNCs? Of course. Uh, well, the, the, the primary um, sort of consequence of this is uh, thinking about market sizing and, and thinking about how significant Ethiopia is sort of vis-a-vis um, other opportunities uh, in SSA and, and elsewhere. So I think to, to put this in perspective, um, with a population of um, around 100 million people um, growing to around 120 million people by 2020, um, Ethiopia's you know, potential market, you know, at least on paper, um, is similar to the size of the whole of Central Europe, which is really quite significant. When you look at the demographic uh, distribution in terms of age profiles, uh, the majority of, the, of this uh, group are um, actually working age adults, so uh, defined as between um, 15 and, and 64. Um, within this, we see dependency ratios declining. So we're seeing more adults who are of working age earning some form of income um, and uh, really being in more of a position to um, both uh, uh, work and be a, a potential labor pool, uh, which is uh, attractive to um, multinationals looking to, to localize production. Um, this labor pool is actually more uh, competitive uh, in terms of uh, labor costs than, than either South or Southeast Asia, so that's compelling. Um, at the same time, um, uh, with those dependency ratios declining, we're also talking about a fairly large cons- uh, pool of consumers. Um, I should emphasize, though, um, uh, a pool of consumers that uh, remains uh, very poor, and so this is really a market for those um, you know, uh, mass, uh, low-cost um, consumer consumer goods. And so, with a with a, a fairly positive demographic story, what what do you see as some of the limitations? You just mentioned one uh, regarding the 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 income levels of this uh, of this large population. Are there some other limitations you'd point to? Yeah, um, certainly one of the key ones is the fact that uh, uh, none of Ethiopia's major cities, with the exception perhaps of Addis Ababa, are, are particularly large. They also uh, quite they they spaced far apart from each other. So um, while there's this very large uh, population, um, the the sites where the better paid consumers are are, are quite dispersed. Um, the bulk of the population, around 80 percent. Um, are rural. Um, so this throws up um, all sorts of complexities when it comes to settling on an appropriate um, distribution model, um, appropriate uh, you know, product portfolio, for instance. Um, so multinationals really have to think carefully about whether um, their product offering is really suited to this market. While this is a fast-growing economy, and as uh, you know, we've spoken about the favorable demographics, this is not really um, a mar- market where there is much of a demand um, uh, for premium products, for instance. So uh, you, multinationals would have to really think through if, they, if they're in that space, uh, whether this is really appropriate for them. Um, in addition to the demographic story, another major growth driver that your analysis highlights is government spending, and specifically uh, the area of infrastructure investment. And I was wondering if you could explain where we'll see the greatest focus in terms of infrastructure investment and the, uh, the, the implications for how our clients can best capitalize. 
Yeah, there, there are, of course, uh, very significant uh, B2G opportunities opening up. Um, the government, as part of its uh, GTP2 uh, development plan, um, uh, has significant uh, intentions to expand the road network, for instance, expand rail networks, um, invest in, in uh, uh, power supplies and power grids. So there's already been a fair amount of progress on this. Um, I think multinationals uh, coming from the West need to be quite aware that there's quite stiff competition from um, Chinese and Turkish competitors. Um, in the case of Chinese uh, infrastructure providers, uh, uh, their uh, tenders often bound up with the loan agreements that the Chinese authorities uh, will have offered Ethiopia. So multinationals certainly need to be aware of the fact that there's considerable competition from uh, uh, emerging economy uh, players, so from China and Turkey, um, a lot of the uh, large companies from these markets um, already have an in uh, to the Ethiopian um, B2G opportunity space. Um, but certainly I think when it comes to uh, contracts uh, linked to some of these broader projects, whether as suppliers, providers of um, uh, higher level technology services, for instance, there are still significant opportunities. I think the, the Ethiopian government, though, um, is very uh, price aware, um, and certainly for multinationals that have to make sure that their uh, products and services are very price competitive, given the level of competition from, um, from multinationals, from, from, from emerging market jurisdictions. What other programs is the government implementing as part of its uh, GTP, which uh, stands for Growth and Transformation Plan, uh, to support the development agenda that you would recommend our clients closely monitor? We talked about infrastructure. Are there other programs? Yeah, absolutely. So um, there are several sectors where the government has, has identified as, as growth drivers and as job creators. Um, so it's setting up special industrial zones um, in particular locations which have a range of um, uh, both financial and administrative and uh, regulatory incentives. Also land being set aside specifically for these projects. So this all sort of expedites uh, the development process for, for FDI projects, uh, which makes it uh, pretty attractive uh, uh, compared to um, uh, many other SSA and many other EMEA uh, jurisdictions. Another program that multinationals should be um, aware of and should follow closely is uh, the government's privatization program. So as I mentioned, the, you know, still very much a state-driven economy, um, but several sectors that have been dominated by state monopolies over the past several decades are now being open to private investment. Um, so uh, we're seeing um, a, a new Ministry of Public Enterprises has been established. Uh, which is leading this um, sell-off. So whether you know buying out a whole state uh, enterprise companies um, in whole or in part, um, this is creating new opportunities in, in a range of sectors, from um, textile manufacturing to fertilizer production to to bottling. So um, the, the, there are several uh, major opportunities for for multinationals that are interested in localizing. In, in, in your analysis, you mentioned that MNCs are barred from several key sectors. Can you maybe elaborate on those sectors and the broader implications for how our clients should think about that from their business operations standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. So um, foreign, foreign players are barred from um, shipping, from distribution, um, wholesale, um, export. So in these kinds of sectors, 
um, where this is a major component, um, multinationals really have to go in with a local partner. Um, there's also a restriction on, on areas like retail. So, um, uh, and this has, has sort of further implications for multinationals because, of course, uh, it means that um, the retail space without that foreign investment remains fairly um, underdeveloped. Um, so there's relatively little in terms of uh, formal retail space like shopping malls and the like. Um, so for multinationals considering entering the market, um, if you're talking about products, uh, categories that require sort of sophisticated retail environment or um, you know, seamless cold storage uh, chains, for instance, that this is going to be quite a challenging market to operate in. Uh, similarly, the, the telecoms uh, industry is strictly uh, state controlled and um, again, there's been limited um, uh, uh, investment um, and innovation in that space. So um, as a result, Internet penetration is fairly low. Um, similarly, telecoms in terms of sort of phone lines and mobile penetration is, is relatively low, um, even, for, uh, even for an SSA context. So whereas you talk about um, you know, close to 50% internet penetration in somewhere like Kenya, in Ethiopia it's only around 10%. So um, multinationals that, uh, for whom um, um, e-commerce platforms you know, are, are really critical, um, th this is obviously quite difficult um, outside of uh, big cities like Addis. So I want to just, um, we're starting to bump up against time, but I have a couple of other questions, Will. So first of all, we talked a little bit about certain industries that stand to benefit the most near term, and it sounds like kind of fast-moving consumer goods um, is an is, is a industry that um, with the right go-to-market strategy would, would fare well. It sounds mm. like if you're in certain areas of infrastructure and you can be competitive, that that would that would fare well. Hmm. We didn't we, we didn't talk at all about healthcare, and I'm curious, kind of healthcare and maybe some other industries that you see benefiting near term and longer term. Um, sure, yeah, certainly um, uh, pharmaceuticals is a, an area where the government is putting a lot of emphasis. So it's actually um, uh, just announced a suite of new incentives, particularly to uh, manufacture drugs. So uh, um, they're offering um, a range of tax preferential loans um, and, and uh, practical assistance for multinationals coming in to, to do um, pharma manufacturing. So the idea is that Ethiopia could then become the hub for exporting um, uh, uh, pharmaceutical products um, to, to the rest of the region. Um, so this is, this, is a, this is a sort of emerging um, area. Um, and this is in addition to the other priority areas, such as um, manufacturing of textiles and apparel and, and leather goods. Another area where the government is putting a lot of emphasis and is also offering incentives is uh, the fertilizer manufacturing sector. So the government's in talks with Morocco at the moment for a uh, potentially a $2 billion um, fertilizer plant, uh, which would make Ethiopia um, one of the major uh, uh, producers of uh, fertilizer chemicals and other agricultural products for the region. Um, so there's a whole range of, of, of contract opportunities linked to this um, deal in particular, um, but this is obviously going to have several spin-off effects um, for, for that sector. Great. Well, one last question. I wanted to give you uh, a chance to briefly describe uh, anything else you want our clients to know 
uh, as it relates to navigating the Ethiopian market, uh, either on the opportunity or challenges side? I think something important that a lot of clients um, uh, it's top of mind in the SSA context, um, given uh, the oil price crash and other, and other factors, um, has been uh, the shortage of dollar supplies um, in many key markets. So um, while Ethiopia hasn't been affected um, by, by uh, the oil crash in the same way, dollar shortages, because it's not a, an oil producer, um, dollar shortages nevertheless remain a really key problem. Um, and uh, this is due to the fact that the currency, the bir, is a managed currency and the government has no intention of, of letting it float freely um, in, 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 in the medium to longer term. And this is because it's very concerned about um, the impact of, of a devaluation on inflation and, and potentially um, a political uh, dis dissatisfaction as a result of that. Um, so, you know, for the foreseeable future, we see um, forex shortages being a challenge for, for multinationals. I think w one final point, though, to make about the Ethiopian market, and um, I think a lot of uh, uh, often um, multinationals can uh, see Ethiopia as a kind of great frontier for, for the East African opportunity, but I think um, it's important to remember that Ethiopia is quite distinctive from the rest of East Africa. Um, it's as I mentioned earlier, it's been closed off for many decades um, under the previous uh, communist regime. Um, and even under the, the current government, it's, it's been a fairly closed market. Um, and as a result of this, Ethiopia has a very unique uh, business culture, um, which is also rooted in, in, in a sense of being quite separate from the rest of SSA. Um, it's got a very uh, ancient history and ancient culture. Um, and so I think when it comes to business attitudes, to business etiquette, it's important to, uh, to study this market very closely, to understand um, the attitudes you're dealing with, um, to understanding how Western brands and companies are perceived. And I think uh, companies that succeed in this market are, are those that put in the, um, the additional hours to understand um, uh, how, how business culture works in this environment. That's a that's a great point to to end on. Will thank you so much for the time. Uh, we you know in, in all honesty we barely scratched the surface of this topic and and your full analysis uh, on Ethiopia is excellent. And I encourage all all of our listeners that have interest in Ethiopia or more broadly in uh, East Africa or Sub-Saharan Africa to review the report in detail, uh, as well as schedule an individual briefing with Will. Uh, as a reminder, uh, on that point, FSG clients can speak to any member of the FSG research team at any time by scheduling time uh, directly through your FSG client relationship director. All of FSG's research, frontier data, leading indicator data, curated news feeds, and other content is available and always updated using our Frontier View dashboards, which is part of your Frontier View platform. This concludes our podcast. Until next time, we wish you great outperformance across your developing markets portfolio in 2017 and beyond.